And I'm going to read and preach verses 35 through 39 this morning, finishing up the chapter. It's a bit hard to say goodbye to this chapter. Romans 8 has been such an encouragement to us as a congregation over the last several months, and by God's grace, that encouragement will sort of rise to a crescendo this morning as we look at the closing verses of this wonderful chapter together. But when the sermon's done, the series won't be done, not just yet. We'll actually just be done with the first half, the first eight chapters of Romans, and we trust that God has much more in store for us in Romans 9 through 16. But this morning, our focus is going to be on the closing verses of Romans 8, which tell us that nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Let's pray first, and then we'll dive in. Our God, we know that there are many, many things that seek to separate us from your love. Tribulation and distress and persecution and all the rest. Some of us, no doubt, are feeling quite battered and bruised this morning by some of those things. And so we pray that you would heal us and tend to our wounds. Strengthen us. Encourage us. Embolden us. Convince us that nothing in all creation will be able to separate us from your love. We ask In Jesus' name, amen. Romans 8, starting at verse 35 and reading to the end of the chapter. This is God's holy word. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Paul continues his Q&A format through the end of this chapter. We'll look first at the question he asks and develops in verses 35 and 36, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And then we'll consider the answer he gives in verses 37 through 39, that we are more than conquerors through Christ. Under this first main point, I want you to notice three things. The question, some examples, and our experience. That's where we're going in this first point. Question, examples, and experience. First, the question Paul asks is, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? 
He's continuing and concluding this series of questions he's been asking over the last several verses. If you look at them, starting back up at verse 31, you'll see them. Verse 31, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Verse 32, he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Verse 33, who shall bring any charge against God's elect? Verse 34, who is to condemn? And now verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Again, like with the other questions, when he asks who shall separate us from the love of Christ, he doesn't mean that nobody's gonna try. He means that nobody's gonna succeed. Lots of things are gonna try to separate us from the love of Christ. In fact, Paul mentions seven things in the rest of the verse, seven examples, which we'll look at in a moment, tribulation and distress and persecution and so on. Those things, among others, are gonna try to pull us apart from the love of Christ. Those things are gonna try to come between us and the love of Christ. Those things are gonna try to blind us from the love of Christ. But try as they might, they will ultimately fail because nothing can separate us from the love of Jesus. If God foreknew us and predestined us and called us and justified us and will one day glorify us, then nothing can separate us from his love. Nothing can break that golden chain of salvation. If Christ died and rose again for us and is seated at the right hand of God for us and indeed is interceding for us, then nothing can separate us from his love. Nothing can sever our union with him. As he said in John 10, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? No one, nothing. And that's because we are held in the hand of Jesus. We are held in the hand of the Father. Kids, I wonder if you've ever caught a frog before. Maybe you've seen someone catch a frog. So you hold the frog in your hands, right? And you make sure there are no gaps between your fingers so that that little frog can't jump out. But you also hold him gently so you don't squish him. And he's safe and secure in your hands. Well, it's kind of like that with Jesus, and with the Father. When we put our trust in Jesus, he holds us in his hands. It's, it's as if he puts his hands around us so that we won't escape out of his hands and so that no one can snatch us out of his hands. And then it's as if the Father puts his hands around Jesus' hands. So there's a double layer of safety and security for us who trust in Christ, and therefore nothing can separate us from his love. But again, there are many things that try. After this opening question, Paul gives some examples. Secondly, some examples in the rest of the verse. He says, shall tribulation 
or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. Seven examples of things we face as we go through life in this fallen world as believers. Number one, tribulation. That is, troubles and trials, sufferings and sorrows. Like an overcast sky, those things try to block our view of the sunshine of the love of Christ. But even when the sky is gray, the sun is still shining up there above the clouds, isn't it? Even in the midst of tribulation, the love of Christ is still shining on us. Jesus said in John 16, in the world you will have tribulation. But then he said, but take heart, I have overcome the world. We can take heart in tribulation because tribulation cannot separate us from the love of Christ. Number two, distress. Distress, that is pain and affliction, stress and anxiety, depression and discouragement. Those things often weigh us down. Like the heavy chains and iron padlocks weighed down Jacob Marley in A Christmas Carol. And they try to keep us from the freedom and from the joy and from the light of the love of Christ. But even though they weigh us down, they can't keep us down because the Son has set us free and therefore we are free indeed. By faith, we can be like the Israelites in Psalm 107. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and burst their bonds apart. By faith, we can be like the psalmist in Psalm 118, verse 5. Out of my distress, I called on the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me free. Distress cannot separate us from the love of Christ. Neither can number three, persecution. Down through the ages, the world has persecuted the church. Think of all the martyrs who've been killed because of their faith in Christ. But even persecution unto death could not separate them from the love of Christ. The world thought it was a win to put them to death, but it was actually a loss for the world and a win for the church. Because killing Christians only shortens their journey to heaven and strengthens the faith of their fellow pilgrims who remain. As the early church father, Tertullian, famously put it, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. The persecution that is meant to shrink the church actually makes it grow. And whatever form of persecution you and I may experience, by God's grace, it can strengthen our sense of the love of Christ for us. So persecution can't separate us from the love of Christ. We'll take numbers four and five together, or famine or nakedness. That is, literal famine or nakedness, lacking even the basics of food and clothing, which has sometimes been the lot of the elect. But even if we lack bread, we still have the bread of heaven. Even if we lack clothes, we are still clothed in the righteousness of Christ. 
And so not even famine, not even nakedness can separate us from his love. Remember what the end of Habakkuk 3 says. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. Number six and seven, or danger or sword. Sword probably refers to the sword of the magistrate. Times when governing authorities seek to separate us from the love of Christ. Something our brothers and sisters in Christ in closed countries are currently experiencing. But the sword of the magistrate is not stronger than the sword of the spirit. In terms of dangers, we face many dangers in this fallen world. The world is not a playground. It's a battlefield. It's not a garden. It's a jungle. But like we sing together, through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. Tis grace has brought me safe thus far. And grace will lead me home. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword separate us from the love of Christ? No. Nothing can separate us from his love. So first there's the question Paul asks, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Second, he gives some examples of things that try to separate us from his love. And third now, he talks about our experience as believers. He confirms that these things are, in fact, what we experience. Look at verse 36. As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. This is what we experience as believers. In fact, this is what God's people have always experienced in this fallen world to one degree or another. Paul's quoting Psalm 44, 22 that we heard read earlier. For your sake, for God's sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. It's like Paul said elsewhere in his letters. We are like men sentenced to death or we die every day or we are always being given over to death for the sake of Christ. Things like tribulation and distress and persecution and famine and nakedness and danger and sword are what we experience as believers. It's as if we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. We are not immune to these things. We are not exempt from these things as Christians. And yet, none of them can separate us from the love of Christ. I wonder, which of these things are you experiencing in your life right now? Tribulation and distress? Persecution and being regarded as a sheep to be slaughtered? All those things. Maybe you've tried to witness to others and they've responded poorly. Maybe you've graciously taken a stand on an issue only to be mocked by those around you. 
Maybe you're dealing with difficult circumstances in your life right now. A broken relationship, perhaps. Or a financial burden. Thorns and thistles in your job. Or maybe the trials are mainly inward, in your own heart, in your own mind. Doubt or depression or discouragement. And all these things are like a swarm of gnats that just won't go away. And they're getting stuck in your eyes and making it hard to see. Two reminders we should all take from these verses as we go through all those things. Number one, we're all in this together as believers. These are things we're all going through to one degree or another. And this has been the experience of the people of God throughout time. So you're not alone in your struggles. You're not alone as you go through these things. Your struggles, they are your struggles, and the details are unique, like a fingerprint. But we've all got fingers. We've all got struggles. So you're not alone. And secondly... And this is the main point of the passage that we'll keep coming back to. None of, those things, none of those things can separate you from the love of Christ. None of those things can break the golden chain of salvation. None of those things can sever your union with Christ. I think knowing that can help us keep going in the midst of all we're facing. Because we know the love of Christ for us is a well that will never run dry. We know that if we have the love of Christ, we can learn to be content in every circumstance. We know that the love of Christ fuels us and empowers us to carry on. The love of Christ, who is the vine, flows to us who are the branches. And that is how we can bear fruit. The sap of the love of Christ enables us to bear fruit. And nothing can cut us off from that supply. Nothing can separate us from his love. Well, we're really getting into the second main point, so let's just go ahead and make it official. Let's look now at the answer Paul gives in the remaining verses that we are more than conquerors through Christ. The answer to the question of who shall separate us from the love of Christ. Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, and all the rest separate us? Even though those things are our experience as believers? Paul begins his answer in verse 37. No. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. No, he says, these things will not separate us from the love of Christ because in all these things we are more than conquerors through Christ. And notice he says that in all these things, tribulation, distress, etc., in all these things we are more than conquerors through Christ. Right in the midst of tribulation, as we go through distress, In the middle of persecution, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. If a pilot sees a storm up ahead, he can fly around it or above it or below it. But sometimes we have to fly right into the storm, right through it, 
But even in that storm, we are more than conquerors. We can't get around the fact that there's going to be suffering in the Christian life. We have to go through suffering. But in suffering, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. In suffering, our pilot is still in control and he's taking us where we need to go. And we are, as it says, more than conquerors. Not just conquerors, but more than conquerors. It's not just that we win, it's that it's a blowout. We win decisively through Christ. We conquer triumphantly through Christ. Matthew Henry said, those are more than conquerors that conquer first with little loss. Many conquests are dearly bought. But what do the suffering saints lose? Why, they lose that which the gold loses in the furnace. Nothing but the dross. Secondly, with great gain. The spoils are exceedingly rich. Glory, honor, and peace. A crown of righteousness that fades not away. In this, the suffering saints have triumphed. Not only have they been, not been separated from the love of Christ, but have been taken into the most sensible endearments and embraces of it. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Not through ourselves, but through him. Not by our own strength, but by the strength of Christ. Christ who loved us at the cross, who loved us by dying for us. Christ conquered by dying, and we conquer because he died. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Think of what Paul said in Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Christ loved us at the cross, and he continues to love us every day. And nothing can separate us from that love. 1 Corinthians 1, 7 through 9 as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Philippians 1.6, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Christ conquered all these things for us and we are more than conquerors over them through him. For, Paul continues in verse 38, for I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers 
nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. For I am sure, this is not just Paul's personal opinion on the matter, it is his apostolic, authoritative expression of confidence in God's power and promise. For I am sure that none of these things will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ. I am certain of it. There are four pairs of things here. Four pairs, except for nor powers in the middle and nor anything else in all creation at the end. For I am sure that neither death nor life will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ. We don't have to be afraid of death. And we don't have to be afraid of life either. We don't have to fear anything in this life and we don't have to fear the end of life. For the believer, there is no guilt in life and no fear in death as we sing. Philippians 1, 20 and 21, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Paul says later in Romans chapter 14, verses 7 and 8, For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, We are the Lord's. Neither death nor life will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ. And that pretty well covers it, doesn't it? And yet Paul continues with the next pair. Nor angels, nor rulers. That is, unseen spiritual beings. Like in Ephesians 6, 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. No angel, no ruler, no authority, no cosmic power, no spiritual force of evil can separate us from the love of God in Christ. The next pair is nor things present, nor things to come. Either the present nor the future, neither today nor tomorrow. Nothing that is going on in your life right now, no matter how difficult it may be, will separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. If you pull out your calendar and you look at all the days that lie ahead, all the things you've written into your calendar, and all the things God's written into your calendar. None of those things can separate you from his love. Nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, which is probably a reference again to spiritual powers. In the language of Ephesians 3, the cosmic powers over this present darkness. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand, we sing. An ant cannot tackle a 
225-pound NFL running back. All the powers of hell cannot pluck us from the hand of our heavenly Father. The final pair is nor height nor depth, which is metaphorical. It's like saying nothing above or below, nothing high or low can separate us. Kind of like Paul describing the love of Christ in Ephesians chapter 3, that we may know what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Neither height nor depth, nothing above or below, high or low, can separate us from the love of Jesus for us. And finally, Paul says, nor anything else in all creation. Covering all the bases, leaving nothing out. As if there were anything left in all creation after the terms he's just used. Just in case anything fell between the cracks of all those pairs of things, he says, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution, all the rest? After all, those things are our experience as believers. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all those things, we are more than conquerors through Christ. For nothing will be able to separate us from his love. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, etc. Nothing in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Where should those truths take us? Where should they lead us? How should they shape the way we live today and in the coming week? Two thoughts as we close this morning. First, If you're in Christ, if all these things are true of you, if nothing in all creation can separate you from the love of Christ, don't give your heart to other loves. Don't seek out lesser loves, sinful loves. It is when we stop being satisfied in the love of Christ that we start seeking satisfaction in other loves, other pursuits, other pleasures. It's when we fail to be content and secure in the love of Jesus that our hearts become vulnerable to the love of the world and the things in the world. A wife who is satisfied and content and secure in the love of her husband is fortified against the temptations of the world, the flesh, and the devil. But if she's not satisfied and content and secure, she is vulnerable. If we're happy in the love of our husband, Jesus Christ, we are fortified against unfaithfulness. But if we've lost sight of his love, if we've become numb, to his love, 
If we're not satisfied and content and secure in his love, then we are vulnerable. We're like a sheep that's wandered from the fold and therefore is more vulnerable to the prowling lion. So do not give your heart to lesser loves. Be satisfied. Be content. Be secure in the love of Jesus for you. If you have the love of Jesus, you have everything you need and you do not need to look elsewhere. Second, and finally, if you're in Christ, if all these things are true of you, if nothing in all creation can separate you from the love of Christ, take heart, take courage, take joy in the love of Christ. Be at peace, be still, rest and trust in the love of Christ. No one, nothing can separate you from his love. No one can and no one will. If the Holy Spirit has united you to Christ, no one can separate you from Christ. If the Father has married you to the Son, No one can divorce you from the Son. Once that knot has been tied, it cannot be untied. What God has joined together, no man can put asunder. No one, nothing shall separate you from the love of Christ. Is there anything greater than the love of Christ? Having his love? Is there anything better, anything more enjoyable, anything more delightful than the love of Christ? The love of Christ is the greatest thing imaginable. And it is ours by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And it is ours forever. Our circumstances, they are always changing. But the love of God for us in Christ never changes. It is unchangeable. It is immutable. It's unbreakable. It's eternal. And knowing that can inject joy and peace and contentment into our bloodstream. If we only look at our circumstances, we'll be stressed and overwhelmed and discouraged. If we only look at the overcast sky, It'll be overcast in our soul. But if we remember that the sun, the blazing sun is still shining up there above the clouds, there will be sunshine in our souls. No one shall separate us from the love of Christ. Nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. We are held safely and securely in the hands of the Father and the Son. Let's take heart, take courage, take joy in that love of Christ. Let's be at peace, be still, and rest and trust in the love of God for us in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Let's pray together.
Our God, we thank you for these great truths. Help us to take them into our hearts by faith and to bear the fruit of them in our lives for your glory. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.